Amen. Well, the first thing I'd like to do is just to make a few comments about what's happened in Paris over the, the last day or two. If you haven't heard, it was a hundred and the last I heard up 150 some to 120 some people that were killed by ISIS, and so perilous times in the world today, isn't there? It's terrible times. So we need to be continuing praying, and we need to continually being stronger in the Lord. And praying for our government and for the governments to really have a plan to come against this sort of a thing. It's horrible, isn't it? These people are going out, they're beheading Christians, they're doing all horrible, horrible things to people. We have it very easy in this country so far, but uh, things can change. And I think in Paris they've had kind of their 9-11, though there wasn't near as many people lives lost as there was in our 9-11 but perhaps this is a wake-up for the world to see what's really happening, what the spirit is of this age. So have grace, Lord Jesus. Well, this morning I'd like to speak about a topic about grace, about grace and mercy, grace, favor, and mercy. Who wants to hear about grace this morning? Who wants to know more about grace and mercy and favor this morning? Good, good. Oh, you're in the right place, and I'm going to do my best. So, Father, we pray for your blessing. We ask for your grace this morning, Lord, as we, as we, as I teach on grace, to help us comprehend it and help me to explain it to the best of my ability, and that will give glory to you and will be accurate. We give you the praise, Father, in Jesus' name. And we're dismissing the little people, the young people. Bless you all. Okay. Well, I'm glad you are here, man, and deer hunters. Yes. It's called sacrifice. Sacrifice is good. All right. Let's take a look. You know, in this day and age, there's a lot that's been taught about grace, and some of it's really good, but there are some people that have taken grace, the grace of God, and they've gone off with it. They've gone into what is called hyper-grace. Hypergrace, meaning it's grace beyond what the Scripture really teaches. And so this is prevalent because a lot of these people have an international, they have you know, television ministries and so forth, and a lot of people don't really understand. What is this grace about? I mean, so we really want to take a look through the Scriptures to help us and help us to grow in grace. You know, you can grow in grace. It's amazing. Yes, you can. We're going to start by looking in Isaiah chapter 53 in the Old Testament. If you find the Psalms, go to the right of the Psalms. If you find Ezekiel and Jeremiah, you're too far to the back. Go back towards the Psalms, which is pretty close to the middle of your Bible. What did I say? Isaiah 53? I have two Isaiahs, so Isaiah 53 verse 6. Two scriptures in Isaiah, that is. 53, verse 6. And here we have the, the prophet, again, Isaiah, who I quoted this morning. And he said, and I actually read this verse, and he said, All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Jesus. So in the scriptures, it's proclaiming that people always seem to go the wrong way which is our way, 
We all go to our own way, don't we? We all gravitate to that. Don't we? You know, it's called self and it's called flesh. Our flesh nature keeps taking us and pulling us away from God. And I've said this before, but if you... If you leave the fellowship of the body of Christ, if you leave the fellowship of church, whether it's this church or another church, if you leave that fellowship, it is not long when you find that you are going to be consuming life on yourself. It is going to be all about you, your pleasures, isn't it? I know, I know people. If you're not in fellowship in the body of Christ, you wander off and then you become the king of the throne of your life once again. You become the captain of your soul. And listen to me, that's not a good place to be because you've been there before, came to Christ, many of you perhaps, I hope all of you have. If you've come to Christ, you know that when you come to Christ, you have to give up all rights to yourself, don't you? To make him the Lord of your life, not only Savior, but the Lord of your life, you give up your rights. What does that look like? It gives up, I give up myself. I remember when I came to the realization, I was raised in a church, went to church quite a bit. My parents didn't go. But I came to a place in life when I was about 24, four, I think I was, where I began to realize that Jesus is really real. In the past, I tried reading my Bible. I'd gone to Sunday school different times. I got to be a pretty wild guy in life, but there was a time that I came to know that Jesus was real, and I remember, and I've said this before, but my God was hunting. My God was rabbit hunting particular. I spent, I spent from the 15th of September all my spare time, my wife will attest to that, all my spare time from the 15th of September till the end of beaver trapping season, which I love to do, which was April 7th or April 9th, depending on which years. And I spent all my time, all of it. And if I could find any way to get time off of work in a legitimate manner, I was in the woods hunting. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't care if I ever get another rabbit. I don't care if I ever. To have you is worth more than any of these things. So whatever the God, that was the God, whatever the God is in your heart, in your life, you have to come to a place where you say, I don't care about all that stuff. What I care about is having a relationship with you. And if these things are blocking me, if these things are hindering me, then I lay them at the cross. I lay them at your feet. You see, that's what we have to do to really come into the kingdom of God. And you say, I can't do that. That's where God has something called grace that enters into our life. God gives us the ability to do things that are not humanly possible for us to do. Let's say it. It's called grace, isn't it? It's called grace. All right. So Isaiah 53. Now, you're still in Isaiah Go to Isaiah 64, a few pages to the back. Isaiah 64, verse 8. And in this verse, oh, this is the wrong verse. Verse 6, I'm sorry. Isaiah 64, 6. 
For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and all and our iniquities like the wind take us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who arouses himself to take hold of you, Lord, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us from the power of our and have delivered us into the power of our iniquities. God has delivered us into the power of our iniquities. Now listen, let me, let me explain to us that if you and I choose to sin against God knowingly, I'm not talking about the, 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 the issues of life where we have weak times and weak moments, but when you and I set our mind, our heart, to continue in a path of sin. God will, at some place, he will turn us over to that. So in other words, I know that there are people here that are struggling to get free from certain things. The fact that you're struggling is a good thing. The fact that you're struggling is a good thing because, one, if you continue to struggle and seek God for it, you will succeed in overcoming that. And you will be a lot stronger. It shows your heart. Your heart is turned towards God. So those of you who are and have been, you know, my my, uh, blessing on you, because that shows, and God's blessing and favor will grow upon you. But for others who like to hide our sin, or like to say, you know what, church is fine on Sunday, but on Monday, I, you know, I'm kind of free to do my own thing. I'm kind of free to talk the way I want to talk. I'm kind of free to watch what I want to watch, do what I want to do. That's not being under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's being what is known as a hypocrite. Oof. Scary word, isn't it? It's kind of an ugly word, a hypocrite. But God gives us grace if we will turn our heart. As it says in Isaiah, the Lord is looking and he's saying, no one's coming to me, no one's seeking after me. All of their righteousness, all of their behavior and action is like filthy rags to me. All of their, all of their works are like filthy rags to me. You see, that's why we need a Savior, because when the Savior comes into our life, His holiness lights up our life, doesn't it? When you're around the holiness of God or holy people, what happens in your life? There's a change that happens in you, isn't there? I remember many years ago, I have a cousin, a couple cousins that are their brothers, they're, they're Christians, and many years ago, before I was saved, before I came to Christ, I was with my cousin, he was from Flint, and he came up, he wanted me to take him rabbit hunting. And my cousin didn't swear, and I did. And you know, I felt very uncomfortable with my old language around him. Why? Because there's a standard of holiness. He was reflecting. There's a reflection of God that was coming through from him, right? So my language would change around him. You all, you know, anybody that talks with rough and bad and foul language, you all know it's bad, don't you? You just do it anyways. 
We just do stuff anyways because everybody else is doing it. But God is looking for people with a heart that will draw on to him. So as Isaiah says, it's all like filthy rags. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags. And how, what, what hope do we have? What chance, what hope do we have to ever please God? You ever felt that kind of a uh, being in that dilemma? Kind of a dichotomy, you know? Well, gee, if I, it's by works that please God, then I better work harder. If it's by grace, then I don't have to do anything. It's a ditch on both sides of the road. So we have people like that. We have people that keep trying to work, to work, to work, to please God. That's called legalism. And we have people that say, hey, if grace is free and God gives his grace abundantly, then let's just eat, drink, and be merry, and let's sin all the more because where there is sin, the Bible says that grace is even more abundant. So let's just keep sinning that God will keep blessing us and giving us more grace. You see, both sides are an error. They're both in the ditch, aren't they? Well, let's back up. First of all, perhaps I haven't, I should have given you this a few moments ago, but let's look at the definition of grace. If you look in an old dictionary, you can find a lot written about grace. But I found this to be really a good, simple way to explain grace. In fact, at our Wednesday night discipleship class, someone had asked, what's the difference between grace and mercy? Well, this is the definition that I have. It says, grace implies spontaneous favor. So grace implies spontaneous favor. Isn't that good? Spontaneous favor. Mercy is compassionate treatment of suffering. A compassionate treatment of suffering. So when somebody's suffering and you give them compassion, you're giving them mercy, right? But grace is a little different. It's, just, it's, it's kind of a fine line between them because they kind of overshadow each other at times. But grace is a little different. And I think of grace much as favor. The favor, favor of God or favor of men, favor of people. Uh, Grace also, I like this definition too, is grace is God's ability to do in me or through me what I am not fully able to do myself. And then the old one that's really common is grace is unmerited favor or unearned favor is grace. But I think grace can actually be earned. You ever stop and think about that? Grace can actually be earned, not in a sense of a wage, well, now you owe me, God, but that is we can grow in grace and favor. In Noah, the story of Noah in Genesis it says that Noah, and I'll give you the verse for that, Genesis 6, 8, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace. Back in the Old Testament, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then 
In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, if you'd like to turn there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, 1.30. It says, the scriptures say, And the angel said to Mary, this is Mary, the mother of Jesus, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. For you have found favor with God. Wow. Isn't that amazing? These people finding favor with God. Noah found favor. Mary found favor. And you know, and if we turn the page and look, or a page or two, and we look at uh, Luke chapter 2, and let's see, there's a couple spots here. One is in verse 40, speaking about Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2, verse 40, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It says, And the child, Jesus, continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Increasing in wisdom, which we all need to do, and the grace of God upon him. Now, let's slip over to the last verse of that chapter, And I'll I'll read the verse prior to that just to help us. And he went down with them, that is, Jesus went down with them to come to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them, that is, his parents. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And then it says, And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Isn't that interesting? Jesus found favor with God, increased in favor with God and men. Now, he was growing in wisdom, and stature means physically he was growing, and I think spiritually as well, but in favor with God and with men. So that implies that we can grow in the grace and in favor. Back of thinking, I think it's out of Proverbs, he who finds a good wife finds favor in the Lord, finds grace. Maybe it's grace. Maybe it's grace in that instead of favor. Because you need grace when you're married, right? So that was a joke, but it went right over your head. That's all right. It's a bad joke. Bad joke. So grace is something that we can grow in. Now let's take a, a few more looks here and some scripture. Let's keep going back to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In John chapter 1. Verse 14, John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word, that's speaking of Jesus Christ, became flesh, that is, became human, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. Grace upon grace in Jesus Christ. You know, we can all have grace upon grace 
Favor upon favor in Jesus Christ. Wow. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bottom, is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. In other words, Jesus explained our Father to humanity. Jesus reveals the Father to us. If you want to know what God is like as a father, look at the life of Jesus Christ, and you will have a very good idea. In Hebrews 1, it says that he is, Jesus is the exact express image of Father God. So for those of you who may be struggling with the father thing, and you're struggling and say, well, I know Jesus could accept me and Jesus could love me, but can God the Father accept me and love me? Well, if Jesus can, the Father is. Right? If Jesus can, the Father is. And Jesus gave us this promise. He who comes to me, it's in John, he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. What he's saying is if you come, if I come to Christ, when I came to him, I didn't know that scripture, but when I came to him, I felt that he accepted me. I don't know why. I don't know why he would do that for a guy like me, but he accepted me. And when you come to him, he will accept you just the way you are. Just the way you are. So that his grace can be given to you. That his grace will begin to change you. This grace goes to work in your heart and your life. And his grace begins to change you. His grace begins to turn, transform you. His word, the Bible working with the grace of God by the blood of Christ begins to change you and I. It begins to transform us from the old worm that we were into someone who reflects God to other people. Wow. Me? That's what I said. Me? Yeah, me. You? Yeah. See, it's easier for me to believe it, God doing those things in you than it is for me, except it's been a lot of years that I've experienced this, so it's easier now for me to accept it, what he's done in my life. But I struggled with that for a long time, and some of you are struggling. Yeah, but you're the preacher. Well, I started someplace. I'm still in a process. I still haven't arrived. I'm still here. There's no fiery chariots. Come down and pick me up yet. Probably won't be for a while. Right? I'm 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 a man that needs a savior. You said that quite loud, Paul. Was there something behind that? <laughs> I am, and you're exactly right. I'm only kidding with you, Paul. But no, I we all need this. But the good news is, if we continue to turn our life to him, he gives us grace upon grace and favor in your life. But you know, when you first come to him, what I find out for a new believer, there's several things that happens. One, if you really experience him, you have a honeymoon period. 
It's like, oh, Jesus and me, I'm so excited. And then a period, it's like someone said to me one time, it's like the shepherd comes and he takes the little lamb and he puts it, or a wounded sheep, and he puts it around a, a little, a little uh, enclosure and he takes care of it personally. He takes care of this little sheep and he nurtures it back to health and he, you know, he, he sees that it's strong and healthy. But there's a time when he's got to put it back in with the flock. And when we go back in the flock, that's when we sometimes get kicked and bit and things like that can happen to us. Anybody ever been bit by other sheep or kicked or, you know, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that can happen. But what does it do to us? It makes us bitter or it makes us better. It makes us wimpier or it makes us stronger. God's all into strength. And it's his grace that gives us strength. I can do it because he gives me strength to do it. The Apostle Paul, you ever read that in First or Second Corinthians chapter 12, I think it is. 11 and 12, thereabouts. In the Apostle Paul, he, they, he lists all these things he's gone through. He lists the shipwrecks, he's the beatings, the stonings. Uh, they had to smuggle him out of different cities. He was, he was you know, on shipwrecked several times, I believe. I mean, beaten 39, 40 times or well, whatever it was. I forgot how many times he was beaten. But all of these things, Paul suffered through, and he went to God and he said, you know, take this thorn out of my flesh. Take this demonic assignment off of me, because everywhere I go, this demon rises up in the people, and they, they come against me, and in my life, you know, his life must have been miserable. Sometimes not enough to eat, not enough to wear, he's cold. He goes on to say, we're the dregs of the earth. We are, we are beaten down, we're, we're spit on, we're insulted, wherever we go. Father, please remove this thorn from my flesh. Three times. And the Lord said, it's my, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. 2 Corinthians 11. My grace, grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And his grace is sufficient for us. So what happened with Paul is he was being strengthened. <clears throat> he was, but he also knew there was a crown of glory. He said, these sufferings of this earth are not worth the time of day compared to the glories that God has for us. Compared to the glory God has for us, these present-day sufferings, the fact that some of your friends may not want to hang out with you as much, or maybe you heard some of them say, oh, they're a holy roller, you know, they're religious. Oh, you hurt. Oh, that hurts. Oh, don't let it hurt you. Praise God. Because they're seeing something different in you. Grace upon grace. There's also another grace. I don't have much time to get in. It's in 1 first, first Corinthians chapter 12. And it's called the spiritual gifts or the grace gifts. And God, knowing that we can't do it on our own, we can't do it on our own strength, it's just not by just mere determination, but it's by the grace of God, gives us spiritual weapons, spiritual gifts and spiritual weapons, whereby we can fight a spiritual battle and be victorious in that battle. Now you say, well, Paul, look at Paul. How can you say he was victorious? Look at all he went through. Look at all the suffering he went through. 
depressed, he said. And then he has the burden of all these churches he started. And, and, and you know, it's difficult to pastor churches, especially if you're not there. Even if you are there, it's difficult because people are always going and scattering and they show up and they don't show up and somebody's upset with this and upset with that or teaching some kind of doctrine and spreading it around. There's always something when you have a group of people together. And Paul said, we're depressed. But yet, through it all, he said, I don't know if I should go and be with the Lord right now or if I should stay with you. I know it's good for you if I stay with you because ravenous wolves will come in and tear up the flock as soon as I leave. I know it's good that I stay with you, but yet he, he longed to be with Christ. Why? How can any man do that? Because grace, the love of God comes on people and the favor of God, the favor and grace to do things that are humanly impossible. Look at Billy Graham, for example. I like to use him for example. Billy Graham spent, oh, I don't know how many years. He's uh, 95, 6? How old is he? He just had a birthday. 7. Yeah, I think he's my mother's age. My mother passed a few years ago, but I think they're the same age. And Billy Graham, all these years from the 19th, late 30s, I think is when he really started in ministry nationally, all these years, you don't think he had times where he felt down and depressed? Don't you think that there's times that he preached his heart out before the people and only a small number of people came up? Don't you think that he went home and thought, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that. I could, did I relate this well? Did I come across? Did I finish my train of thought? Did I, did I, did I? Yes. But he had grace to keep going. So what? no matter what your situation, no matter how hard it is, God gives you and I the grace to keep going. This is an important message. He gives us the grace upon grace. All right, let's move ahead here. So we can grow in favor and grace. Grace delivers us from the shackles of filth and sin. Grace is God's favor for us to become all we can do in him. So in other words, God has a calling, he has standards that he brings forth in this word. There are standards. One of those standards is we're to be a holy people. It's impossible for people to be holy. without the work of the cross and the grace of God. So if we try to do like the Hebrews did in the Old Testament of keeping a law and keeping laws and keeping laws in hopes that it would make us holy, we're going to burn ourselves out. We'll lose the love of God and all we'll be doing is striving. But if we look at God's goals for us to become holy God's purposes for us that are listed in the New Testament. For instance, it says the scripture says to the thief, when you come to Christ, quit stealing. Quit lying. Quit behaving that way. Quit running around in immoral relationships. Right? Immoral, all those different things. 
What gives us the power to do that? It's the grace of God gives us the power. So God would never expect us to try to do and live to a certain standard without his help working in us and through us. That's good news, isn't it? With his help, with his grace, with the love and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we can come to the place of life that God desires for us to be. That doesn't mean we all become Billy Grahams, but that becomes because God has given all of us a certain amount of, uh, of talents. He's given us different amount of talents, different amount of abilities. So God has a talent, he has an ability in each one of you. And that's for us to use to our ability. And you say, I just can't ever do that. No, you can't. Grace comes in and says, yes, you can do it. Grace comes in and says, I'll empower you. Grace comes in and says, you know what? You just repented for what you did, for that attitude you had or those sinful lifestyle you're living. You've just repented for that. And because you repented, I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you mercy. Oh, the grace and mercy of God. Isn't that good? Those of you people are deer hunters. They're here this morning. God has given you a grace to listen to me rather than listen to the ch- chickadees out there outside. Right? There's a grace. Okay, just a couple more. and We're going to wrap up here. But I'd like to read out of Hebrews, a couple scriptures. Hebrews. It's 10, I believe. But grace is never to be used as an excuse to sin, my friends. <laughs> That's where the line gets drawn. As I said earlier, does sin abound, that grace does that much more abound? Should we continue in sin then? No, 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 no. Ten nine. I'm sorry, that's not the scripture I want. Oh, through thirty one. Okay, this isn't exactly. Okay, I'm just going to pick it up here. For verse 10, 26, I'm going to skip part of it. 25 says, We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves, which is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Verse 26, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains the sacrifice of sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and is regarded as unclean, the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and has insulted the Spirit of grace? Has insulted the Spirit of grace. So that's is speaking about when we willfully and knowingly do stuff. Now, all of us do that from time to time. I know this is wrong, but you do it anyways, right? 
But he's talking when you get into a habitual place where it's a constant rebellion and defiance, then there comes a time where God has to bring a correction or judgment or finally turn us over to our own means. It's not something that just happens just because I goofed up. Uh, just, just you know what I'm saying? I want, I don't, I don't want to keep, put fear on people that, oh, I've committed the unpardonable sin. No. There's another scripture. I don't have it here, and I meant to, this is the one I meant to read. Oh, it's in Hebrews 4.16. And it says, Come to the throne of grace to receive grace. Come to the throne of grace to receive grace. So as we talk about grace here, I'm trying to talk about one side of grace, not to abuse it, but the other side of grace is here for us to cover our sins, to cleanse us, to help us do what we can't do on our own, to help us do the hard things that seem impossible for us, but with this grace, gift, and blessing and favor on our life, we can accomplish all things through Christ who strengthens us. His grace is sufficient for us all, isn't it? Grace upon grace. So, as Isaiah said, come for God's mercy. It's free. God gives us this wonderful grace and mercy. I just hope that I can encourage all of you this morning in God's grace. I hope that I can do that. I hope that you can begin to comprehend that grace is something that I can continue. There's no end, end, end it's, not, it's endless supply of God's grace until that day when he takes us out of this planet. Grace. So Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Jesus grew in favor and grace. Mary found grace. And when you and I come to Jesus Christ, we find grace. How many have experienced God's grace? Yes. If you haven't experienced his grace, there's lots of it for you. I know you're thinking, some of you think, God can give grace to all of them, but not to me. No, you're not that, you're not that rotten. You're not that rotten. There's people more rotten than you that God can give grace to. That's good news. All right. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet and we'll close in prayer. And Michelle's reminding me, after church we have fellowship, uh, we have fellowship downstairs, but we have prayer ministry up here. If any of you like ministry. And they're also going to be...